السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. ما شاء الله. Almost, almost there. إن شاء الله. Let's let's finish this circle off. جزاك الله خيرا. ما شاء الله. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم. نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد. When I look around at this circle, what I can see is hope. That's what I can see. Hope. I can see people who are hopeful in the mercy of Allah, in the forgiveness of Allah, in gaining the love of Allah, in gaining the Jannah of Allah, in gaining reward from Allah, in gaining just openness from Allah. Because Allah is Al-Fattah. And when we turn to Him, even those that are closed, we, we notice that they start opening. Even though we might not understand how, we might not understand when, we might not understand in which way, but the fact that you're here is a big sign to show that you love Allah, you trust Allah, you believe in Allah, and more than anything, you have hope in Allah. You know, hope is not rational. Hope isn't rational, it's irrational. You can't explain it. In Arabic, we call it Raja. And as a Muslim, we have to have hope. We're not allowed not to have hope. That's not an option. Quran says, only those people lose hope in Allah's mercy who don't have Iman, who are the disbelievers. So we must have hope. Now the thing is, Shaitan, one of Shaitan's names, as we know, is Iblis. And the meaning of Iblis is the one who has lost hope. He is far from Allah's mercy, he's lost hope. Iblis has lost hope. So one of his main tasks, Iblis's tasks, is to ensure that every single one of us lose hope. And the way he wants to do that is to keep us stuck where we are and not move forward. To make your situation, to make your circumstance, to make your feelings, to make your surroundings, to make where you are, how you are, seem to you that there's nothing beyond this. This is how it's going to be forever. It's never going to improve. It's never going to get better. No one can do anything about this. And it's quite apparent from the way we sometimes speak. Trust me, my problem, you, 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 you just don't understand. You just don't understand. This, I mean, the, the dilemma that I'm in, trust me, no one can solve it. Nobody can fix it. So this is, Shaitan wants us to feel stuck and to not have hope. And Allah wants us to have hope. And we're not allowed to stop having hope. And this is why it's imperative for a Muslim, we must feed our hope every day, as many times as possible. Because if you're not feeding your hope, you're feeding your despair. Remember this. If you're not feeding your hope, you're feeding your despair. And despair is not allowed for a believer. So you're either feeding your hope or feeding your despair with your words, with the way I think and with my actions. Constantly, every single day, all the time. Now, this is what I started from 
that you sitting here today, this shows me you're feeding your hope. This is an action that shows you're feeding your hope. Because a person who has hope wouldn't turn up. Sorry, a person who has hope would, is someone who would turn up here. If a person didn't have hope, would you raise your hands in dua? That in itself is a sign. Whereas a lot of times we might be raising our hands in dua and asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but the shaitan is whispering to us and telling us, it's not going to work for you. Your problem is too big. Thus, sometimes our words in our dua come out like that as well. Where we start limiting Allah as well. Remember, Allah doesn't give to us because of who we are. Allah gives because of who He is. But when we make dua, we're making it based on our limitations, which Allah, by the way, hasn't put on us. We've put on ourselves. The limitations in our lives, we're applying them. Allah has not limited us. But you know, sometimes we say, we need to think out of the box. Why don't you just remove the box altogether? There is no box. Is there a box? Not really. We create this box at times and we keep ourselves inside. And the worst place to be at times is inside your own self. When you shackle yourself, in reality, no one's applied these chains. We limit ourselves. Allah has not limited. So, hope, raja, is something very important, very powerful. And this is what keeps a believer going. This is what kept the Prophet ﷺ going. This is what Allah is inviting me and you in the Quran towards constantly, all the time. To trust in Allah, to love Allah, and to hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us a tawfiq. So on the same discussion for the last so many weeks we've been having, again, it falls into this category of feeding your hope. If we're not doing things, We'll have to, this is, we have to be proactive in doing things to feed our hope. If I'm not feeding my hope, I'm going to be feeding my despair. We've been speaking about this. If you're not growing, you are dying. Literally, if you're not growing, you're dying. As a believer, as a Muslim, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud would say that I want my today to be better than yesterday. My dhuhr to be better than my fajr. Each day, if you're not growing, you're dying. If you're not feeding your hope, you're feeding your despair. It's going to be one of the two. There's no such thing as just being stuck in one place. Because if we're stuck, you know, with water as well. We give the example of water. Stagnant water, water that doesn't move, what happens? If water's still in one place, what happens? What happens? Yes, it's stagnant. What happens to stagnant water? Hmm? It becomes spoiled. How? What's the first thing that happens? Okay, there's three areas, three areas where it will change. First of all, first of all, color. Maybe not the color straight away. You've got color, taste, and smell. And it'll start to change in a way where you won't be able to tell. When you look at it, it looks normal. It looks normal. And this is with our life as well. In the beginning, we won't be able to tell. Until some time has gone by where it's visibly actually different now as well. 
it already tasted different, it started to smell different, and now the color started to change as well. So similarly, our color won't start to change straight away. But after some time of remaining stuck in one place and not moving forward, and moving forward doesn't mean we have to run the marathon. It means that we're not stuck in our, our kind of going backwards or just thinking that nothing's going to work and it's not, it's not happening and, and, and Allah doesn't like me and he's not with me and he's doing this to me because he hates me and he just chose me out of everybody else. This is remaining stuck. And having hope in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is looking beyond that and continuing despite the journey being difficult. Because the journey, as much as we don't want, it is going to be difficult. لَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي كَبَدْ Allah says we created the human in a struggle. So this life is going to be a struggle. We make dua Allah makes it easy for us. We constantly ask for afiyah. But we know that this life is going to be a struggle. And we continue to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for ease and for afiyah. And that He showers us with His mercy throughout. So we've been speaking about unhealthy thinking patterns. Ways of thinking that are not helpful for us. Those type of distorted cognitions which don't make us feel good, which don't make us behave in a good way. And we know as the human being works like this. The way we think, that's how we will feel. How we feel, that's how we will behave. This is human behavior throughout the world. This is how humans behave. So we need to fix and work on the way we think and we have to feed it constantly feed it positive things things of hope things increasing us in the love of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and having good thoughts about people about the world and about ourselves as well so based on this we spoke about a number of um, unhealthy ways of thinking and we've done how many seven We've done six and we're on the seventh one. And the one we're on now is called self-blame. So we're currently speaking about self-blame. Can anybody put into just one sentence, especially for the benefit of those who, who weren't here in the last few sessions, what does it mean by self-blame? What do we mean by self-blame? Okay, so should I blame somebody else instead? Okay. So I shouldn't blame somebody else. I, should, you, I asked you, based on what you said, that it's about blaming yourself. So should we then blame somebody else? So if I, 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 I've messed up somewhere, and then I spill my tea now, for example, and I go, it's all Habib's fault. I can't do that. But can I blame myself? So where's the, 
So what are we trying to say here? What are we trying to get at? Why is self-blame unhealthy? In what capacity? Okay. So it's a constant negative that we're thinking of in the mind. But how, how do we fit in what we're trying to say here? Yes, Maulana. For blaming yourself for things that are out of your control, um, so that's there as well. But how do we draw the line? Especially for those of you who are here, you will remember what's the difference between one is self-blame and what else do we have? Accountability. Accountability versus self-blame. In self-blame, we're looking backwards. This is the difference. And what did we say earlier? Which way are we going? We're going forward. Every, every, in life, we're going forward. But most of us, most of us, we actually live in the past. We actually live in the past. Whereas the past has already gone. It's finished. Is the past still here? No. But a lot of us, we actually live in the past. Some people live in the future. Some live in the past. And then you get some that live in the moment. Um, so, self-blame is you're looking back and thinking, why did this, why did I do this? I'm such an idiot. I should never have done this. And that's it. It doesn't push you forward. So looking back, blaming yourself, filling yourself with shame and guilt, but then there's nothing that propels you forward. Rather, that will just make you go backwards. Accountability on the other side is, I would, what went wrong? What did I do? Okay, I did this. What can I do in future to ensure this doesn't happen? This is forward thinking. This is solution focused. This is, I'm looking at the, a, a positive outcome now. Even though something negative has happened, according to me, I'm looking at how can I fix this in the future? This is the difference here. And then we give the example of the lady who was expecting a child. Do you remember what her name was? Halima, Jazakallah khair. Uncle remembered it well. So Halima was about to have a child. And whilst the baby was in her womb, she's built up all these expectations that she's going to make him hafid of the Quran, he's going to become an alim of the deen. And then so much so, she even thought one day he could become the Amirul Mu'mineen, the leader of all of the believers of the world. And it's good to have hopes and aspirations. When the time came for the delivery, she went through some complications and then she was told that your baby that's going to be born is going to have a severe disability. So much so that the baby and the child is going to be dependent on yourselves as parents for the rest of his life. Halima's world came crashing down. All her hopes were shattered. She'd already built up a life for herself. A vision of life and it's as if somebody took that life away even though physically it's not happened but hope which we're speaking about can be very very strong and meaningful we can start creating ideas so it's as if someone now she started blaming herself when the child was born he had disabilities and later on it didn't get any easier but she started thinking what did I do wrong maybe I wasn't careful in my pregnancy she remembered when she started painting the baby's room in preparation. Maybe it was that. 
maybe it was this, I shouldn't have done this, I shouldn't have done that. Unlike this, she started losing interest in everything. Anything that happened, whenever the baby then became ill, she'd blame herself for it. When the baby wouldn't eat, she would blame herself for it. The baby wouldn't sleep, she would blame herself for it. Until her life circled around self-blame. And then we went into many different discussions uh, in terms of uh, how to work on this, how to avoid this. Last week we spoke about a number of things as well. Today, inshallah, we're going to move on and conclude talking about this by mentioning what we can do to overcome this kind of uh, falling into this uh, on a long-term basis. And this journey is a journey in which there's going to be ups and downs. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We ask Allah for afia, but we know that the journey that we're on now, we can't continue going on this destination. Imagine a traveler, imagine a traveler going on a faraway destination, carrying heavy luggage, right? You've got heavy luggage, you've got a backpack on, which is weighing you down. You've got bags and they're extremely heavy. I can just think about myself on one occasion coming back from abroad. I had the family with me as well and they all had their own bags carrying them. And when we arrived, it was late and we realized that there's no milk, there's no bread, there's no other items in the house. We've been away for a while. Let's just quickly grab something. And instead of just grabbing one or two items, I'm thinking, I'm so tired. I can't see myself going to the supermarket later in the day. Let me just grab everything I can now without re realizing that I've got so many bags to carry as well to get to the car where it's parked. So I come out now, I've got these three bags, which are extremely heavy. And then I've got all of the luggage and everyone else is carrying their own bags anyway. So now here I am carrying these bags and they're extremely heavy. And I've got my own luggage to carry as well. And I've got my car, but it's just, it's not too far away. But carrying this there, it's, it's not easy. And it wasn't possible to continue walking with these bags without probably breaking my arms. So every so often, I can still see myself going through this, taking a few steps and putting the bags down and just standing there for a moment. The rest of them have gone like they're, they've already got to the car and I'm still here. And then, right, let's go again, pick them up, take a few steps and you put them down. Take a little rest, take a little break. I could have tried going up in one go, but what will happen? What will happen if we just keep going and going and going and going without taking that necessary, much needed break and just to regain momentum? What will happen? You'll collapse, you'll break down. You'll go into override thinking, oh, it's okay, everything's fine. I'm nearly there. And then what happens in the interim? In the interim, something will happen which will impact so many things in so many different ways. So what we're speaking about here, and I'm sure a lot of us can relate to this, is that the journey that we're on, it's going to still be here tomorrow and the day after and the day after. And this is life. 
The most challenging thing about life is it's daily. It's every day. It's not just like you, you think, oh, today, you know, I'm just going to give you all, everything I can. It's not like that. Tomorrow it's going to carry on. And tomorrow there'll be other challenges. The day after there's going to be other challenges. So life is going to, this journey is going to be continuous. And the only way that we can get strength to continue is if we allow ourselves and give ourselves a level of self-care where for a moment I needed to tell myself that look you, it's not as if if I carry on a few more seconds I'm gonna get there it's a bit further than that so it's okay giving yourself permission it's okay to stop for a moment and just to breathe and gain energy again and that's okay and a lot of us don't allow ourselves to do that so to continue and this is why it's encouraged that on a regular basis in four areas especially four areas we need to have some kind of self-care routine even if it's not every day even if it's not every day it needs to be done and it doesn't have to be anything fancy it doesn't have to be extravagant and this is again where we go wrong is we think that okay I'm gonna go on this exotic holiday for a week and that's gonna refresh on me and it's gonna fix me and everything's gonna be fine that's well and good but realistically how often can you do that how often can you go away to an exotic location to unwind and come back it's not it's not practical how often can you go to I, I don't know a fancy posh restaurant I'm not talking about what you do on a regular basis something that just really gives you that peace of mind you can't you can't be doing these things constantly all the time so does that mean we have to wait for six months for one year for one and a half years until we can allow ourselves some necessary rest to gain momentum to continue or should we have in our daily routine inculcated within it certain moments where we are giving ourselves permission even if it's a few minutes a day just to regain that energy to regain that strength and that's only going to help us to move forward along the journey a lot of us think that these are distract they're not distractions a distraction is when you get stuck in it if a person engages in a routine and then you just keep doing that and that's it but if a person takes out time so there's four areas where we need to ensure that we are giving ourselves some kind of self-care in four different spheres of life number one intellectually intellectually number two is spiritually number three is emotionally and number four is physically when it comes to physical i think there's a general level of good understanding now we're seeing much more emphasis on maintaining our health we're seeing that and people are within their routine whether they like it or not the younger people are opening their eyes up towards it from earlier and as soon as a person gets a little bit older and you end up having to visit the doctor for some kind of issue that arises before things get worse that opens your eyes and thinks hang on a second i don't want to end up having high blood pressure or cholesterol or x y and z right let me start exercising even if it's just a walk a day let me just be mindful of what i'm eating let me end up doing this or doing that so i think when it comes to physical to an extent alhamdulillah there is awareness and this is from the sunnah 
This is the Prophet ﷺ said, your body has a right over you. This body is an amana from Allah. So none of this is un-Islamic. It's not un-Islamic to uh, take care of yourself, take care of your health, to watch what you eat, to do any of these kind of things. Again, it has to be within the limit. It shouldn't overtake our life. It shouldn't come in the way of us and our salah, for example. But if it's intertwined within our day, alhamdulillah, you going, exercising, you going, ensuring you remain fit, ensuring you remain healthy. This is something which will count as reward in the akhirah because you're taking care of Allah's amanah. So physically we understand, but intellectually, spiritually, and emotionally taking care of ourselves. So I'm just going to share with you uh, certain actions which we can maybe introduce. And you can see which different categories we can place them in. Because at the moment, if I was to ask you, what do you do for self-care? Do you do anything? And when I speak to people, especially people who are burning out regularly, they don't realize that one of the reasons is they're not giving themselves a break. Life's going to continue. It's going to continue, 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 continue every single day. So we need to have certain things we're doing, especially in four, all four areas. Because if we're only looking after our physical health, what about your, your mind? Which is working constantly. Constantly, constantly is working. Even now whilst I'm talking to you, whilst I'm talking to you and you're sitting here, you're talking to yourself. Then this doesn't happen, this doesn't stop. It continues. In one day you'll have almost 50 to 60,000 thoughts which come automatically, or we call it inner dialogue. So you're talking to yourself constantly now. And now you're noticing it. Now you're thinking yourself as being silly because you're thinking about it. And you're still thinking about it. It, it, it continues. And what you say to yourself makes a difference as well. A lot of us don't say good things to ourselves. You listen to yourself more than you listen to anybody else throughout the day. Again, that talk needs to be positive. It needs to be healthy. We need to feeling, feeding ourselves with hope and not despair. So, let's look at some of these examples. Um, of course, exercise is one of them. Everybody's aware of that. And there is so much more. Uh, people have opened their eyes up towards this, alhamdulillah. Uh, and this is something that, of course, helps. Um, meeting up with friends to play a sport. Meeting with friends to play a sport, very good for you. Writing a poem. Now when a person writes a poem, because you're focusing on the words, even if it's taking out five or ten minutes, what you're doing is you're allowing your mind to think about, because you have to think now really hard. So you, you can't think of two things at one, in one go. So your mind's gone off the normal thinking, and now you've paused and you're thinking of the words. You're trying to make it rhyme, you've thought of one. Now, when you're trying to think of the other line, how to make it rhyme, at that time, you can't be thinking of your health, which is not going so well, or the issue with your wife, or for example, your business, that's going just really, really bad. 
or some other problems that you're going through. You can't think of that one. So this is usually very good. Cuddling with a pet. Many people have cats, for example. Um, those who don't have it, don't know. Those who have it, know. Those who don't have it, they just freaked out every time they see an animal. But those who have animals know how therapeutic it can be just to even talk to an animal, just to cuddle with it, to play with it. Taking out five minutes and doing something like this, what it does for you, right? It's, it's mind-blowing. You might not see it because you're probably used to it. When you stop doing it, you realize that what it was doing for you. And those of you who have pets will know exactly uh, what I mean. Reading something enjoyable. So, again, taking a break and reading something that you enjoy, whatever it is, could be anything, just for five minutes, having that break within the day. Painting. Painting has been shown to be extremely um, therapeutic and very he uh, healing. Coloring, again, has been linked to this as well. Many people, what they do, they find coloring very therapeutic, especially when they're going through difficult feelings, strong emotions. It's actually encouraged to get a blank piece of paper and to choose a color that describes your feelings. Like you're feeling a lot of anger towards somebody. What color would you describe that with? Red or black. It's up to you. Again, this is very personal. This is your personal journey. And this, on that piece of paper, you've got a big white piece of paper and you get that. And you Just let your feelings flow through your crayon. Just draw or write or write the feelings you're having. Okay, anger. And it's going to be really dense. You're going to go right into the paper and scribble on it. Anger in big words. Okay, or maybe draw some fire or something or draw a fist or whatever it is, or the person who you're angry towards, or whatever it is, you're, you're like going there. And, and once you've allowed yourself to release all of that, then you take a color which you would represent as calm. What color would that be for you? What, what color does calmness look like to you? Gray? Green? white blue so can you see it? it's different for everybody color plays a massive part color plays a massive part in your life massive part sometimes just changing the color of what you're wearing makes a big difference it can it can have a massive impact on you you might be wearing a certain color all the time without realizing it's having not a so good effect on you and this is why the Prophet ﷺ wasn't specific any, about any color. He preferred white. But he didn't always wear white himself. He said, yes, wear white. It's good, it's encouraged. But he didn't put us into a box and say, right, you can only wear this one color. The Prophet ﷺ wore different types of different things, whatever was available at the time. So now you get your other color, let's say it's a green, and you can start writing over your anger. So over the anger, you can write, for example, calm, okay? And as you're doing it, you will feel the calm coming. And you could draw maybe the sun shining, or you could maybe draw the feelings that you want now to overcome these bad feelings. So that's one area on how we can uh, work on as well. And it, it, just, it, it can be done just for a few minutes. 
practicing deep breathing, just stopping and five minutes, again, five minutes of this is so powerful. We just stop what you're doing, sit in the chair or wherever you are. It could, you can do it anywhere, absolutely. Anywhere. You can do it lying down, you can do it sitting in your car, you can be at work, things can get really stressful. Okay, colleagues, boss, manager, situation, everything can just flare up. You can just be there and just focus on your breathing. That's it, nothing else. You breathe in through your nose. Obviously, you breathe in into the stomach and then you breathe out through the mouth and you blow out as if you're blowing from a straw. You exhale longer than your inhale, but then focus on your breathing. At the moment where we don't focus on our breathing, we're just breathing without realizing. But when we put our thoughts onto what we're doing at the time, that will make a massive difference. Again, because you're gonna stop thinking about the situation and if you calm your body, it will calm your mind. These two have a very strong link. Calming the body calms the mind. So that's another thing we can do. Doing a certain type of tasbih, for example, for spiritual. Doing a certain type of tasbih. For example, you could choose one of Allah's names. Choosing one of Allah's names. Um, I don't know. You tell me. How are you feeling? What's the issue? You, f you want peace? You feel you don't have peace in your, in your life. One of Allah's name is Salam. Okay, so you could maybe choose, okay, I'm going to do 100 times, Ya Salam, Ya Salam, Ya Salam, Ya Salam, Ya Salam, Ya Salam. But not just randomly doing it. You've just taken out two minutes to focus on Ya Salam, Ya Salam, Ya Salam. You're thinking about peace when you're saying Salam because Allah is the eternal source of peace. All peace comes from Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam. He is the eternal source of peace. So this is also something else we could do. Having a drive with the windows down, especially now with the weather is. <laughs> Put all your windows down, go for a nice drive in the countryside. Um, again, you don't have to be doing anything else. Just going with this intention. That I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just taking care of my emotional health, my intellect as well. This will be highly rewarding, inshallah. Watching a funny video. Now, some people might not agree with this, okay? But we need this. You need to laugh. You have to laugh in life. You need, and sometimes, if you've gone days without laughing, that's not healthy. It's not good for you. And we take on... So much burden at times that we've not had a, a time to laugh. And laughing, it allows us to release a lot of that stress that we're holding on to. So just, and then there's no shortage of it now. There's no shortage of these things. Just, again, being purposeful. One is being stuck in there and just going through this for half an hour, for one hour. But we're not saying this. We're just saying a few minutes just to give you to relax. Why? Because now you'll be so much more focused in what you're doing. Um, making a list of your blessings making a list of your blessings so to be again intentional in this I'm thinking right okay I'm gonna note down my blessings now because we go through times in life where we feel as if we don't have anything we're deprived so making a list of your blessings 
organizing something. Organizing something. Right, I'm gonna change the layout of this room. Now for that you need focus. And it makes you feel better as well. Might not take so long, but just organizing something. That again, it's it, it, it's it's a self-care, it's something very good. Um, I've, I've got a whole list of different things here that which I've written down. Um, you can think of many other things as well. I'm going to end on mentioning something called uh, PMR, Progressive Muscle Relaxation. This is something that has been proven to be, uh, it's been validated through science and it's used a lot now uh, by health practitioners, even for people like athletes. Why? Because they've realized that the mind and the body are interconnected. If your body is calm, your mind will be calm. If your body isn't calm, your mind's not going to be calm. If your mind isn't calm, then you're going to have problems. So they understand this has embodied cognition because even the mind, it's inside the body, right? If we think of the mind as wherever it is and then you've got the brain around it. Okay, it's a body part, isn't it? It's a part of your body. So this is, it shows you that it's embodied cognition where these two things are really connected. Now, when we go through stress in life, it builds up a lot, a lot of tension in different parts of the body. And sometimes if we come to a stage where we forget how it felt to feel good. How often have you heard people say, you know what, I don't even know what that means anymore. I don't even know what sleep means anymore. I don't even know what relaxed means anymore. All these things that you're talking about of just peace of mind and being rested. I don't even know what that feels like anymore. And that's problematic because then even doing the restful things won't give you rest. Something as simple as sleeping. How many people go through insomnia? One of the main reasons is anxiety. There's two ways. Either we're thinking about what's going to happen in the future, that's anxiety. Or we're dwelling about what happened in the past, that's depression. And the Quran and the Sunnah speak about these terms. Worrying about what's going to happen, this is anxiety. Worrying about what's going to happen, what's happened in the past, this is this linked to depression. Ham and Hazan, both of these things. Now, to be able to come out of these two, if we start thinking about the now, and focusing on the now, you can't think of two things at once. If I, if I, we spoke about breathing, if I sit here and try and focus on my breathing, automatically, I'm gonna have to stop thinking about what's gonna happen tomorrow, and also about what happened yesterday. I'm in the now. Automatically what we will do, it will calm my body. My breathing, noticing, it'll calm my, it'll calm my mind. And I'll be in a relaxed state within moments. You can do this yourself. We blame our circumstances, right? But you're responsible for how you feel. You choose how to feel, not your circumstances. So what happens in progressive muscle relaxation? So even people like athletes. Now athletes, for example, these are people on high performance. They don't have a choice but to perform, but they need a good sleep. Now, what's going to happen tomorrow? Am I going to come first? Am I going to come last? Am I going to make it? Am I not going to make it? There's a lot of anxiety there. So when they do need that necessary sleep in the night, even if it's a few hours, 
a lot of them can't sleep. They go through insomnia. So what are you prescribed then? What are you prescribed? Okay, antidepressants, for example, sleeping tablets. But these people, because they have to go through the drug test, they're not allowed to take these things. Because if they start taking these things, it's, one's going to lead to another, and then they're going to get disqualified. So what do you do now? You need the sleep. So even such people are being advised to practice what we're going to speak about now is PMR, is progressive muscle relaxation. It's very easy. Anybody can do it. There's many different techniques of doing it. And it's very simple. So you start off by, the idea is this. Because we f sometimes forget how it feels to be relaxed, you have to clearly see the difference of how it feels to be tense, how it feels to be relaxed. So that in future, when the time comes and you are stressed out, you're able to relax yourself and feel being relaxed compared to being stressed. Do you guys get what I'm saying? No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to explain it to you. So, okay, let's, let's do this. So start off by taking, um, let's, let's do five deep breaths. So you breathe in all the way and then breathe out from your mouth. Exhale as if you're blowing out from a straw. Make that longer than your inhale. Again. You can probably already start feeling calm. Right. Once we've done this a few times, then you start from one area uh, in your body. So let's, let's, for example, take the feet. You put your feet out. It's okay. You can stick your feet out. If you put your feet out, I'm going to give you an example. You start from the muscles in one area. So if you start from the feet, the way we do this is this. You're going to breathe in. But what, before you breathe in, what you're going to do is you're going to make your toes, curl your toes towards you, either that way or the other way. So let's do them forward. T turn them forward and make them really tense. But remember, don't make the mistake, no other muscles in your body, no other muscle group should be tense, only the feet. When you do this, you're going to end up clenching your mouth. Clench no, don't do any other part of the body, only the feet. Make it tense. It might, you might feel a little bit of uneasiness but it shouldn't be painful your feet might even start shaking right now breathe in and then hold your breath when you breathe in and hold the muscles for a few seconds and then when you breathe out relax your feet focusing on the difference of how it felt to be tense and how it feels to be relaxed so do that again now what I want you to do is breathe in and when you're holding your breath, hold your breath for about five seconds and in those five seconds, feel the feet being really tense, just in the feet. And then breathe out, whilst you're breathing out, relax your feet and notice the difference between the tension and the relaxation. Can you see it? Yeah? You, you can actually see now, oh, this is how it feels to be relaxed. This is how it feels to be. And then you move on to different areas. For example, you could do in the knees. Um, you could do in the uh, in, in your hands. For example, if you make your if you clench your fist, 
you clench your fist, you're doing your, your hands, your fingers, and then your forearms as well. You can feel it, you can feel the tension. So if you, and if you make it really tight, whilst you're holding your breath, you can feel the tension. And then when you breathe out, and you can, now in the beginning, it's not easy. It feels a bit awkward, right? But through practice, and you can do it in each part of the body, you can do it just for the eyes. Just for the eyes, just for the forehead. Okay, make it, you can tense your forehead. You can do it with your eyes. Shut your eyes really hard. If you shut your eyes really hard, it's going to become tense. And then, when you breathe out, you release those muscles. Similarly, you can do it with your neck and your throat as well, forward and backwards. Each part, of, each muscle group, you can relax them slowly, slowly, slowly. Now, once you practice this a few times and you get used to it, and it, take, it does take time because it's new. Once you've done it, then you can do it anywhere. You can spare a few moments and that will, you will sleep better. It will help you with your anxiety or depression. It will help you with other conditions as well. And it's, this, is, this is something that's been proven and shown to work. So here you go, you've got a whole list of things and you can think of other things as well that you can do on a daily basis to ensure that we are looking after ourselves. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. This is week 83. What do you know about Masjid Al-Aqsa? Lesson number five. We continue with the definitions and concepts and today's discussion will be regarding the role of Masjid Al-Aqsa in the journey of Isra and Mi'raj. Isra and Mi'raj took place in body and soul between Masjid Al-Haram and Masjid Al-Aqsa followed by the ascension to the heavens to witness the signs of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. This momentous incident of Isra and Mi'raj is very strongly linked with Masjid Al-Aqsa. Masjid Al-Aqsa plays a significant role in the journey of Isra and Mi'raj. So preparing for the journey, the Prophet while sleeping by the Kaaba, he was visited by three angels. They carried him to the well of Zamzam and then Jibreel split his blessed chest and washed it with the water of Zamzam. And then his chest was filled with wisdom and faith from an illuminated golden tray. And the purpose of this was to prepare him for the journey that lay ahead. Then we come to the stage of leaving Mecca. Jibril brings a burak. The burak is a white long animal, more prominent than a donkey, and smaller than a mule. Its, its hoof would extend as far as it can see. So each step would be as far as it can see. That's how fast it traveled. The burak made it difficult for the Prophet ﷺ to ride on it. The Prophet ﷺ tried to ride on it and the burak wouldn't stay still. So Jibril admonished the burak and he says, do you behave this way with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, no one has ridden you more noble than him. So immediately the burak settled down and it began to sweat. 
And from this we learn that the Prophet ﷺ wasn't the first to ride the Burak. Imam At-Tabari mentions that Ibrahim ﷺ would ride the Burak when he would visit Baytul Haram, Baytullah al-Haram meaning the Kaaba in Mecca, from where he lived which was Baytul Baghdis. So from Baytul Maqdis to Baytullah al-Haram, Ibrahim ﷺ would make a regular journey because he had one wife in Mecca, one wife in Palestine. And on this journey that he would take, he would use this same Burak which Rasulullah then uses at the time of Isra and Mi'raj. Then he comes to entering Jerusalem. It's believed that the Prophet entered Jerusalem um, through the gate located on the right, as mentioned in the hadith. And then he entered the masjid through the gate uh, through which the sun and the moon shine. So there's more sunlight coming from there and the moon also shines from there. So based on this, using this description which appears in the hadith of Bazaar, we can conclude that the Prophet ﷺ, he accessed Masjid Al-Aqsa either through Bab Al-Maghariba, the Moroccan gate, or Bab Al-Muzdawaj, the double gate. And this is why today both of these gates are also known as Bab and Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the gate of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Then we come to the first salah in Masjid al-Aqsa. It's very possible that the first salah the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did in Masjid al-Aqsa was Tahiyyatul Masjid. Because according to the hadith of Sahih Muslim, after entering the masjid, it says he performed two rakat salah. This could have been Tahiyyatul Masjid that he performed. And then he says, I was presented with a vessel of milk and a vessel of wine. And I chose the vessel of milk. And I was told that I had made the right choice and the right decision. Then comes the ascension, the Mi'raj itself. So the Prophet ﷺ, he himself says, he, meaning Jibreel, then took me by the hand. And we began to ascend until we reached each of the seven heavens. And after seeking permission, we entered into the heavens until we reached a place called Sidratul Muntaha on the seventh heaven. At Sidratul Muntaha, he says, I was surrounded by such colors. I've never seen such colors in my life before. And after this, I was led into a Jannah. It was filled with pearl strands and the soil was of musk. Upon returning from the heavens, so on descending, the prophets had all gathered and the Adhan had been called and the Iqama had been given and the Prophet ﷺ performed Salah for the second time in Masjid Al-Aqsa but this time as an Imam for all of the Prophets and this could have been the Salah of Fajr and then came the return journey the Prophet ﷺ returned to Mecca and the journey ended where it began in the Hatim this is where the journey began because this is where the Prophet ﷺ was sleeping and he was taken by the angels. The journey ended exactly where it began. The Prophet says, I was in the Hakim by the Kaaba, and the Quraysh came to me, started asking me the details of the night journey, and specifically asked me questions to describe Baytul Maqdis. And the Prophet says, I didn't recall the detail, I didn't remember it. He says, I became so distressed like I've never experienced distress before.
The distress I experience, he says, on this occasion, I have never been so distressed. And whilst I was feeling this distress, Allah revealed to me Baytul Maqdis in front of my eyes. So as they were questioning me, I was looking towards Baytul Maqdis, standing by the Kaaba and answering their questions whilst looking at Baytul Maqdis. That's the end of the lesson. And we're going to take away three points. So to summarize, three takeaway points that we can take from today's lesson. Number one, it's evident from the details of the Isra and the Mi'raj journey that Masjid Al-Aqsa holds a very significant position in Islam. Number one. Number two, Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam leading all of the prophets in Masjid Al-Aqsa symbolize his leadership which will continue till the end of time. And number three, in Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam's most distressing moment, Allah consoled him how? With a vision of Masjid al-Aqsa, Baytul Maqdis, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us a tawfiq and understanding. Wa akhir da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Inshallah, we'll give a few minutes for the recitation of Quran. We'll recite the Rushriq, Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallam. لا إله إلا الله 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 سبحان الله والحمد لله ولا إله إلا الله والله أكبر ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم سبحان الله والحمد لله ولا إله إلا الله والله أكبر ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم سبحان الله والحمد لله ولا إله إلا الله والله أكبر ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم سبحان الله والحمد لله ولا إله إلا الله والله 
أكبر ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم سبحان الله والحمد لله ولا إله إلا الله والله أكبر ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم سبحان الله وبحمده سبحان الله 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 العظيم استغفر الله 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 الله والله 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 لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين جزى الله عنا سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ما هو أهله الحمد لله الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتدي لولا أن هدانا الله O kind and loving Allah O most merciful Allah O most compassionate Allah O most forbearing Allah O Allah you are the all seeing O Allah you are the all hearing O Allah you are the most benevolent the most merciful the most gracious O Allah you are our nurturer our creator our fashioner our designer O Allah you know everything nothing is hidden from you O Allah O Allah you know our situation better than we know ourselves 
Nothing is hidden from you, O Allah. For you, everything is apparent, O Allah. Nothing can hide from you. No one can hide from you, O Allah. You have the knowledge of everything, O Allah. O Allah, you know our situation. You hear us, O Allah. You see us, O Allah. We beg you, O Allah. Grant us your protection, O Allah. Safeguard us from your disobedience, O Allah. Grant us your forgiveness, O Allah. Grant us your forgiveness, O Allah. Grant us your forgiveness, O Allah. Help us to always obey you, O Allah. Help us to do those things that please you, O Allah. O Allah, we ask for your pleasure, O Allah. O Allah, we ask you for your pleasure, O Allah. We ask you to become pleased with us, O Allah. Safeguard us from those things which make you angry, O Allah. And allow us to do those, to do those things which make you happy and pleased, O Allah. Grant us a life of taqwa, O Allah. Grant us ease, O Allah. Grant us afiyah, O Allah. Grant us barakah in everything we do, O Allah. Grant us happiness within our homes, O Allah. Grant us good health, O Allah. Always keep us with good health, O Allah. Those of us who are ill and sick, O Allah, grant us shifa and afiyah, O Allah. Throughout the Muslim Ummah, O Allah, those who are suffering from any types of illnesses, O Allah, grant them afiyah and shifa, O Allah. Grant afiyah and shifa to one and all, O Allah. Keep us always in the afiyah, O Allah. We thank you for your afiyah, O Allah. We do shukr upon your afiyah, O Allah. O Allah, always keep us with your afiyah, O Allah. O Allah, and those of us who are going through any type of difficulty, O Allah, grant us ease, O Allah. Grant us ease, O Allah. Grant us ease, O Allah. Grant us a way out, O Allah. Always allow us to have hope in you, O Allah. Increases in our hope, O Allah. Make us people who are hopeful, O Allah. Allow us to always feed our whole hope, O Allah. O Allah, allow us to always have hope in you, O Allah. Make us close to you, O Allah. Grant us your recognition and your closeness, O Allah. Help us to make the most of the 10 days of Dhul-Hijjah, O Allah. Help us to prepare for them, O Allah. And help us to value each and every moment, O Allah. Make these days in days in which we become close to you, O Allah. We gain your nearness, O Allah. Grant us your pleasure, O Allah. Grant us your pleasure, O Allah. Grant us your pleasure, O Allah. Accept us, O Allah. Make it easy for us to increase in our ibadah for you, O Allah. And grant us forgiveness for all our shortcomings, O Allah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asked of you many good things. We ask of you the same. He sought your protection from many evils. We seek your protection from the same. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wa salamun ala al-mursaleen. Alhamdulillah. Oh.